0: Good morning, listeners. Yes, that's right. We've randomly chosen morning once again, and here's why. It's VBS week at our church. Yeah,
1: so we are getting home super late. We don't have the evenings, but that does mean we had to get up early this morning. That's right. That's right. On on
0: sometimes little to no sleep. So if you get a punchy Larry and a punchy Jared, it's only because we feel the need to have this content and we
1: feel the need to get it done and, and but we also are yeah so are ho- floating ho- hopefully uh hopefully I won't call you sir laughs a lot too many times. That's okay. <laughs>
0: I'm 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 good with that. I'm good with that. I'm going to tell you what. Let me let me tell you something. Just just a side note. Guys, if you can let go and have fun with your church family. It's balm for the soul. There's my thing. Again. There you it's balm for the soul.
1: But it is So we're acting right now, yeah, in uh <laughs> not in, on the air not are acting yeah. but we're, yeah. in our v b s for the kids, and if you can just have fun with it, oh yeah, those kids are dialed in, yeah, yeah, dialed in, yeah, and it's kind of fun, yeah, I was walking around last night, and they're all telling me the secrets <laughs> of who stole my book. <laughs> And we want to help you. Yeah, <clears throat> it's, it's fun. Oh, VBS it's is fun. It is fun. Yeah, I've been reading in a book right now uh, from Tozier and he's talking about how programs can just ruin the church. I'm, I'm that's not the total quote, right? It's the spirit of the yeah, thought. Yeah. It, when you're focused on the program and not on the real deal. And yeah. what we're going to talk about that today. What yeah. the, what's the real deal? But when a program like VBS there is it, when it's done well, there's not many other events that can bring that many families from outside of the fold absolutely into the building. And every night those kids are hearing the gospel being presented to them. Yes. And man, just think if one kid takes that home and is like, Hey mom, hey dad, I heard this.
0: Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: It can I mean, so I I love VBS for that because it's just the opportunity that one family mm-hmm. might get radically changed. I love it.
0: I mean, it, it it's multi-generational ministry is best. I think there's two times a year, and y'all are going to be shocked, the time period that I actually leave out. I think there's two times a year in the life of a church where you actually have just a wide open door of gospel presentation and just here we are, come hang out with us, and that is VBS and Easter.
1: Mm.
0: And I know I left another big one out, but other one happens kind of at the end of the year
1: everyone's traveling there's
0: yeah Easter just kind of seems to be that hey we're coming out of the winter you know and quite frankly I mean we're talking about the gospel today right where's the power of the gospel it's the resurrection Mm -hmm. you know hey, I'll make an argument here and and go back and, and encourage your pastors especially your music pastors at Christmas time you need to be celebrating the resurrection Yeah, oh yeah. Not just a little baby in a cradle, be celebrating the resurrection, because that's what it's all about. Yep. But we digress.
1: Yeah, so we are in Ephesians chapter two today. Good stuff. Last time we left on the end of Ephesians chapter one, we kind of went verse by verse through it. And so we're jumping into chapter two. I love this chapter. (laughs) It's deep, man. I was thinking about it last night, I was like, okay. If you work or serve in a church and children's ministry at all, hopefully, and I think our church does a good job of this, hopefully the question you are training them on, if they they can answer only one question, hopefully it is, what is the gospel? Mm. And hopefully they can say it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's a really, really good answer. But once you grow in some maturity in knowledge of the faith, mm-hmm. the next set of questions should be: Why did I need that? Mm-hmm. And what does that give me? Right. And so then, then the fullness of the gospel picture is answered in Ephesians chapter two. Yes very much
0: so and you know to to your point about kids being able to answer you know what what the gospel is two of our staff members are very cognizant when they pray and they end their prayer about every single time with thank you for the fact yes of the death burial and resurrection of jesus and and you know what that's great because it, it's twofold. Number one, it reminds them who, who who's doing the prayer, you know, this is this is what we're here about, this is what we're here for. But it gets ingrained. The things you do repetitively with your family, with your kids, it sits in. Yeah. You know, look, you can't save your child, I can't save your child, Jared can't save your child, we can't even save ourselves. You know? Our wives, maybe, no. Uh, <laughs> they save us all the time. No, but you know, what, what inevitably happens is we try to do it. We try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We try to, to be the catalyst yes. and, and God comes along and reminds us that no, 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 no. I do the work. And so, you know, when you get into Proverbs and it says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's older, he won't depart from it. Well, what the, what Solomon's really saying there is it's not that it's not that you know hey I've given them the gospel every day of their life and so they're never going to depart from it no 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 no. go to the prodigal right it's in there right and when his heart and everything line up when her heart and and all that's going on line up those teachings that you embedded in there will be there ready to erupt when their heart is ready that's the hard part yeah and you know what? Our hearts need to be ready. And I think that is what Paul has done a good job in. Because in, in chapter 1, we kind of get this who God is, what God has done. And then in chapter 2, as we move into it, he's going to step in more into what he has done, specifically what he has done through Jesus. And then he's going to come along and go, okay, now, this is who you once were and this is who you are now to be. Yes. And so I think, you know, I think it's a good a good transition for us into uh into Ephesians chapter 2. So, yeah, we're going to open in some prayer with you guys this morning and then we're going to dive into the to the meat and the fun. Lord, um man, we we do this all the time, Father. We we come <laughs> from different places. Um even though Jared and I right now are uh, with each other on a daily basis for long periods of time because of Vacation Bible School and because of so many other things. We each have different perspectives. His family is heavily involved in one area. My family is heavily involved in another area. And and so we have different perspectives on things. And, Father, there are people today who are coming to our podcast who are listening in with us, and they're bringing their burdens. They're bringing their concerns, the things that they're thinking about, the experiences they've had. Maybe somebody out there has just had it out with their boss or something crazy has happened at work. Maybe the whole family blew up on each other and everybody's tired and is in need of vacation. Or or maybe it's just, you know, I just want to have a pity party and sit in my own stuff and just weep and mourn. And, God, we, we bring all those things. Help us, Father, to just lay it down at your feet and help give us perspective. Help us realize that you are in control. And help us realize when the problems that we're facing are self induced wounds. And give us the strength, Lord God, to set those aside so that we can strengthen ourselves to be ready for the other slings and arrows that are thrown our direction for the purposes of bringing you honor and glory. So God, help us lay it all down at your feet today. Let us dive into your word and be renewed and refreshed by it. And Lord, help us focus in on what you're trying to teach us through your servant, Paul. And we thank you for his words. We thank you for his life. We thank you that he surrendered to you and followed you passionately with his whole life. And and God, I pray that we would do the same and start that journey today as we study your word. And all this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, yes. From death to life.
1: Yes. So I I wrote down in our notes, we're going to go, we're going to split this up into multiple sections, but I, I see, and I think even probably Uh, Tony Morita did in his commentary I could open it back up and see if he split it this way or not but I saw two main groupings yeah for the for the chapter yeah yeah I would agree death to life yep and and that would be verses 1 through 10 Mm -hmm. the first main section yep and then 11 through 22 is our unity or our oneness in Jesus
0: And remember, Paul is going to consistently bring together. He's laying a foundation of unity. That's what he's done in chapter one. He's going to basically bring the catalyst of that unity in play in chapter two. And then really the rest of the book drives toward the mystery, toward what he's specifically
1: talking about. So I wanted to bring up, because we're going to get into like the verse by verse, Mm -hmm. but just kind of as a cool aside to this chapter. So last episode we talked about, or I did a little bit. We I didn't really um, expand on this idea at all. Um, but this letter, it Paul follows a chiastic structure with it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little bit hidden, but, these two sections if you look at verses 1 through 10 it's about our death but it's also about the environment that we're in mm-hmm. spiritual darkness um, the the prince of darkness is around and all the things that we deal with and then if you if you go to the end towards the end of the book, um, it pairs up with a section, mm-hmm. and so I guess for those that don't know what a chiastic structure is, we talked about it a little bit. But if you start at the if you start at number one mm-hmm. and you go to number six, mm-hmm. and that six is the end of the book or chapter or um, passage, right? One and six would marry up, mm-hmm. and then two and five would, and then three and four would. And sometimes if you have an odd number then or or odd sections, then there's one pinnacle that's in the middle, right? Everything pivots off of that. Everything pivots off of it and they tend to pair up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, and and, uh, I mean, you can just Google it like chiastic structure of Ephesians and there's all kinds of people that have put thought into how they see it. Um,
0: That's chiastic with a CH. Yes.
1: But so in death to life and, and, and in particular with the spiritual realm that he talks about at the beginning of chapter two, mm-hmm. you get the life application of the implication mm-hmm. of what we get in the beginning of chapter two. In chapter six, mm-hmm. 10 through 17, you start to see the spiritual armor and why you need this because we're fighting a battle. Mm hmm and i think it's pretty cool that the way it's structured is like hey here's here's reality at the beginning of this book and we've talked about this too here here's here's where you stand right and then but then go go to the end of the book because you can see like there's some practical application and then when later on we're going to talk about unity and there's some practical application there too about how are we supposed to engage with those around us in relationship Mm-hmm. Hey, we, you have received unity with Jesus. Now, how do you live that out on a day-to-day basis in your relationship? And I'm jumping ahead because we're going to get into chapters 5 and 6 later, but it's yeah. just cool the way it's structured. And Well, I think it's important
0: to, to bring it up because it, it makes you, you know, we've been encouraging you guys, as we've been encouraging ourselves to read Ephesians. You know, if you can do once a week, great. If you can do it every day, even better it's not it's not a hard read my mom gave me a hard time she goes you can't just sit down and read it in 15 minutes and i'm like you can and and, but i understand what she's trying to do she wants yeah she gets and kudos to her she is getting into the meat Mm -hmm. right she's diving deep and you know what go for it you know if and you know what here's the thing she's retired Right. So, you know, she just needs to tell dad, Larry, I'll be down there in a minute. You know, <laughs> I'm reading the Bible. But she's too sweet and, and too nice to do that to him. So <laughs> it's, it is what it is. Oh, my goodness. All right. So death, death to life. Um, and that's exactly how Paul starts. He says, in you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So there's our state. You know, what are we dead in, trespasses and sins, those things that pull us away from God, yes. you know, so whether you are a lead us, you know, not into temptation, but deliver us, or if you are, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or if you are forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, you know, those are the things that enslave us to self. Yeah. And and Paul's bringing it out. So what does that mean? If we're made alive, if we're coming from death to life, you know, what what does this look like? You know, and I think the is pretty deep here. Let me go ahead down to verse three because it's you know, so in verse two, in which you once walked, so we were we're made dead or we, we were dead, <laughs> we're made alive. Why were we dead? We're dead because of trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the
1: others. Yeah, so, I, and I want to hit on one word because it, it in in verse three, that we is a very clear call that he is he is now roping in the Jewish people mm-hmm. with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. I'm writing to the Gentiles and Gentiles you were dead but we the Jews mm-hmm. are also. Whereas before they would have said no 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 we've got we've got the Messiah coming so we're we, we're inside the wall. Right we're the chosen people yeah. we the we're the set nation. And so he's already starting that this this unity and it's not just unity in salvation and family structure after an event. It is unity in our corruption beforehand, too. Mm-hmm. Which is huge, right? It's it's saying that there's a universal need, not just a uh, a, a need based on family origin or or something else? We When we are sorrowful,
0: we don't want jovial people around us. We want people to be sorrowful with us. We want to pull people into our mess. And that's why I believe that we deal with the massive amount of conflict we deal with in the world, but even in our nation politically, even in the church, because we want people to approve of our sin because that means I'm okay or I am I'm not the lone wolf Mm. you know because if you're standing as the lone wolf in a given scenario one of two things is true either everybody else around you has missed the boat and you are the voice crying in the wilderness (laughs) right or you are so hyped up on self You can't see what's going on around you. I I like to think that I'm a good bit of number one. Unfortunately, I think nine times out of ten, I'm actually number two, Mm -hmm. and and it really comes down to the to the selfish thing. And you know, I think there's a great parallel here because, um, I think the we is excellent because Paul, in another book in Romans drives at the weeness mm-hmm. of everything. And that is the fact that we all come from one specific parent. And in Romans chapter 5, you know, he brings this to light, this whole idea that, you know, okay, hey, look, through one man, right, through this one man, Adam, sin entered. So there is a whole people that has come from this man, Adam. But then God uses Paul to say, okay, but let's pull out of the physical world. And let's look over here at the spiritual world because both are happening at the same time. So as one man sin entered, then the spiritual world came into this world through the person of Jesus Christ, and now through another man sin is put to death. Yes. And, and it's great. If you ever get a chance, go read Romans chapter 5, or verses 12 through 19 lays this out beautifully. I like how he ends it. He says, Therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, so the actions of Adam have led all of us to be in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. And that's huge because... The same way Satan tried to take down the world, God comes in and says, "Okay, I see what you did there. Now watch this. You know, you keep trying to be me, but you'll never be me. Yeah, you keep trying to take my stuff, you keep trying to take my worship, and you're missing the boat here, Satan. And and I I know it has to grieve God because I mean we see through Scripture how." Our sin grieves him, and I mean, here is his creation that that he made, and turning against him, wanting to to take over things from him, wanting to be, you know, in charge, mm-hmm. and and therein lies the root of sin, right? Yep, it's, it's all about me. You know, take the old. <laughs> there's been videos made about this, and 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 rightly so. Trying trying to be tongue in cheek, there's a lot of truth in there. You know, there's a an old when worship songs were really kind of coming out of the chorus world into kind of what we have today, you know, there was that song, It's All About You, Jesus, and All This Is For You And I Swear, I think all we ever sing is, It's all about me and search your name and all this is for me, mm-hmm. for my glory and my fame. Mm-hmm. But we've said that for years with I surrender all, right? I surrender some. Right. <laughs> or I might surrender five more minutes till time to go <laughs> get my chicken cuz church needs to be over preacher be quiet you know you know what i'm saying yep. Yep. but we do that we root we root ourselves in self why because and 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 not just paul but even jesus is like you don't have a problem taking care of yourself
1: yeah that is, <laughs> but that is that's the source of our death yes uh but it's also the um outcome of our death is like just this bent towards self in a destructive way yes i love how and uh tony marita kind of summed up this little section and you can tell he's a good pastor because he alliterates it (laughs) it is about our disobedience okay our our we are i'll put it how he did we are disobedient we are dead we are doomed yeah that's you know yeah so what's the sin problem we're disobedient we're dead and we're doomed yes that's the sin and so I really like the way he kind of sums it up like that's the summation of our sin problem why do we need the gospel you know I I think I now have a real I would have told him well because we're all sinners we all fall short of But if somebody were to ask me now, if a kid was going to ask me now when I'm doing VBS or helping teach a Sunday school or Awanas or something, Mm -hmm. I think I would now say, we are disobedient. Because of that, we are dead. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we are doomed. But got good news. The other part of this section that I kind of hit me is as I was reading it, the idea of Satan is pretty powerful Mm -hmm. in this passage, but I love what Paul does because yes, Satan gets a place and he gets a mention, but he's not all powerful. No. He's only one third of our sin problem. That's right. If you look at this, right? Yes, he's powerful, but we should we give him too much credit? Absolutely, because we also have the what's going on in the world. We want to be a part of it. That's part of it, and then our own desires and those kind of those are like the, that's the two thirds. I've got my own lust, my own desires that I'm seeking after. I've got the things of the world that are going on, and yes, Satan and and the the powers of darkness are intertwined around all of it but it's every time that something goes bad or wrong or i sin it is not just oh satan's getting after me
0: mhm you, you know it's it's one of those things where it's like you have you have this desire to want to blame and place blame on someone, and in doing so, you don't really realize what the implications are because yeah. you're just trying to stay out of the, fr- at the fray of everything. One of the greatest, you know, they always say one of the greatest lies Satan ever told was getting people to be convinced that he didn't exist. Mm. One of the one of the greatest things he ever did was start something as nasty as sin, and then just step back and watch it bloom. He hasn't had to do half the work in it; we've done it for him, right? And I hate to say it this way, but therein lies the beauty of his strategy, right? Plant the seed, let them tear themselves apart, yep. and then it saves him time and effort. He's an efficient evil worker, mm-hmm. it really is. So I think I think what we do with Satan is twofold. I think we are exactly doing what what you're what you're mentioning here. I think we give him too much credit. I think we we ascribe him too much power. We have to remember only God is omniscient, only God is omnipresent, only God uh, is omnibenevolent. Only God contains the omnis. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we are not living in, now those of you who are my age will, will definitely resound with this, we don't need a Looney Tune Satan either. We don't need a little cartoon devil on one shoulder and cartoon angel on another. Yes, you know, all yeah. that is is cartoonized karma. Right. Sitting on your shoulder talking yeah. in talking into life. My daughter the other day, she was like, Dad, there's this song out there. And I won't I won't mention the artist. I'll just say her name is T S. And apparently <laughs> in one of one of her, her lyrics she says something to the effect of karma is my boyfriend. And, and it's just like, and then we got girls especially, but people in the church singing, singing those songs because they hear them on the radio. And it's like, do you realize what you're actually saying? The golden rule, so to speak, is we pull it out of scripture and karma are not the same thing. And it's easy to conflate the two. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the heart behind it, it's completely different doing unto others as you would have them do unto you has nothing to do with what you receive it, it, the whole point is you do for people and to people remembering that god said love me first love others second no matter what they do to you right karma says do good so you get good so you get good right christianity folks is not about the perks because Paul tells Timothy, hey, you desire to live godly, you desire to live, for, you know for Jesus? Everybody who does that will face persecution. okay? That is on earth, the reward is persecution, right? Which is why I believe, especially with Southern gospel music and kind of amongst older folks, you, you lean into the hope of and they they start, especially as you start getting toward the end of life you really start seeing people looking and craving and leaning toward heaven. They get they, they clue into these songs that talk about what's coming. Well, why is that? Because that's the hope. That's the faith that we've had. I, you told me, God, right? if I followed you, if I was obedient, if I did what you called me to, you would take me from death to life, and this would be the reward of the life. But the danger is we try to usher in the reward too soon. There's still this whole sanctification process that has to take place. And that's what Paul's leaning into.
1: Yes, and perfect segue because in the next set of verses, four through seven, we get a taste of what is the purpose or what is what do we what do we get mm-hmm. out of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And there is some of it that we get to taste here, absolutely.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and you and here it is in verse four. We get this great Paulinian butt. You know, because every time Paul does this, you know, it was uh, one of the guys I work with says he had a professor that said that. Therefore, is nothing but a butt in a tuxedo.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, but the great thing here is, is that Paul's made this statement. Okay, you were dead. This is what sin did. This is how you got there, but. In light of all of that, here's what ne- happens next. God, you know, the one who's rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, given a nod back to one through three, right, in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And He's st- here's the very first time he states it this way. By grace, you have been saved.
1: Yep. And raised us up. I'm going to go through seven. So, and raised us up with him, Jesus, well, with God, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what Paul doesn't say is you're no longer dead, and one day— You're going to be with Jesus. No, no, no. We are made alive. Mm -hmm. And we are set on level ground with Jesus right now. Now, I don't have the power that he has. Right. I'm not the Savior. But what Paul is getting to is you are positionally aligned with the Lamb, Mm -hmm. with Jesus Christ. And that allows you to be part of the family, That's right? Unified with him and, and and receive all the benefits that somebody on equal footing mm-hmm. would get. Mm-hmm. That's so you, we went from death yep. and destruction and doom to you positionally can can receive all the perks, so to speak. Mm-hmm of what Jesus has.
0: yeah yeah, absolutely and 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 notice what the gift actually is because I think I, I think he kind of leans into it here in verse seven. The gift is that God might show his exceeding riches of grace toward us in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. The gift is grace. The gift is redemption from sin. The right. gift is I know you're guilty of all this, but I'm forgiving you to the point it's it's erased and clean.
1: Yeah. That verse reminded me And I'm gonna blank on the name of the book. It's the one I'm letting I let you borrow. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one about the um
0: the Old Testament?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the title is something like Why Sinai Still Matters or something like that. I think that. that's right. Um, anyways. It's on my desk. <laughs> there is a part in that where the author is proposing to the reader that um, one of the Ten Commandments should not be read take the Lord's, do not take the Lord's name in vain, but it should be about don't bear the Lord's name in vain. Mm. Leaning on the idea that Israel was called and set apart Mm -hmm. to be the distinct image bearers of Yahweh, right? They're, They're showing Yahweh to the rest of the world. That was the intent behind it. And they failed miserably at it. And, we fail miserably at it too but in Paul bringing this out and in God's plan to unify the church which he's talked about here now God's plan and by showing us grace and that being the gift but doing it through the unification of the church mm-hmm. it's like God's saying i am taking i'm, I'm it's no longer going to be this chosen group that is going to be my only image bearers that are that are disp- that are are purposefully displaying right. who I am it's now gonna I, I'm taking over and I'm gonna I'm gonna show it through the grace that I have that I'm, I'm, I've given you by unifying all of you
0: right Right, and so then enter enter the story of Rahab, enter the story of Ruth, enter the story of interjecting all these Gentile people into yes the bloodline into the secession. Yes. you know, it, it, it God is it, he's trying to wake us up out of our stupor and go. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Remember, I'm the one who chooses. I'm the one who set this into motion. Yeah. You know?
1: You know, I want to fast forward a little bit, because, and we're going to talk about this in our next episode, but in in chapter 3, does Paul mention the mystery in chapter 2? I don't... Briefly? In in chapter 3, he talks about, like, hey, this mystery that I've revealed to you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And this mystery is what we're talking about right now, that that we can be made alive in Christ even though we were once dead and that we is universal. Everybody was dead. <clears throat> and so God is God is unifying the church. But just like what you talked about, look at Ruth and Rahab. Look at Jesus' genealogy and you see all these places where there's non-Jewish folk involved in the story and then it just... It, I get to be a reader that's 2000 something years removed from it. Yeah. We're Monday (laughs)
0: morning quarterbacking this thing,
1: (laughs) but it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't a mystery. Read your, go back and read it. You know, that's what I, when I read it the the other day, I'm like, but if they were paying attention, yeah, you know, but how many times do I have to tell myself that? Well, yeah, if you were paying attention, but it's like, yeah, this mystery mystery in quotes is being revealed, but man, go look at all throughout throughout. You know, God's mercy in these verses is, I know it's, it's not, Paul isn't writing in Hebrew, but I think he was bringing up the same connotation. God's mercy is just like what we talked about in Ruth, that hesed, Mm -hmm. what kind the loving kindness, that, Mm -hmm. that type of love. And that's what he's talking about when he says God being rich in mercy. It is, it's the exact same thing. I I think... I think the apostles
0: got a chance to do something that that I'm very jealous of, and that is be raised in Hebrew, in Hebrew thought, in Hebrew culture, in Hebrew understanding, but live in a very Greek world. And who better to help us move from, you know, the processes of the Old Testament into the commentary of the New Testament on the Old Testament. You know, it's. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but I had a professor that when he was, um, when he was uh, interviewing to become, to, to become a professor at my seminary, that he was asked a question. He's like, what's your favorite, you know, commentary said on the Old Testament. He said, oh, it's a a great 27 volume called the New Testament, right? And he's right. You know, you cannot divorce. I'll say it this way. You cannot unhitch (laughs) the New Testament from the Old Testament as, you know, a very prominent pastor once tried to say. You can't do that you you absolutely need the full counsel of the word of god god had it had the, had it canonized this way on purpose for a reason right and so we need to stop trying to look for the angst between the old testament and new testament look for the resolution because it's there but you just got to be willing to look for it um, that's that's the the beautiful crafting working nature of god He takes us from death to life. In giving us life, he's raising us up. He's placing us in Jesus, with Jesus, beside Jesus, for Jesus. He's putting it all together. And then Paul steps in in verses 8 through 10 and and leans into where we started this whole thing, and that is the masterfully creative mind of god and he said you want to talk about a wonderful creator check out what he did in you and and you know i think there i'll just be honest and and you know what i'm not a theologian um yeah i play at it but i'm I'm not one (laughs) but (laughs) if i was to say that there is a place if anybody asks me where can i go to find out who I am. Where where can I go in scripture to discover who it is that I'm supposed to be? Where do I go, Larry? Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul lays it out. He starts with the gospel and he's and then and then on the back side of the gospel he sucker punches our hubris. And then he drives home the point yeah. with the creative nature of yeah. God the
1: Father. And by the way, all these things that have happened, you're now made alive in Christ. Yep. It has nothing to do with you. Right, exactly. Boom, it's got nothing to do with you, and then you get this amazing picture.
0: Listen listen to how Paul says this, because I just think it's beautiful. Okay, so here's the gospel. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast and then some of you who are scholars are your ears are ringing and going but James says faith without works is dead and Paul would agree with that right because what is Paul trying to put put the point on here he's trying to get you saved right yeah and if you are out there listening to us and you don't know Christ as Savior here is the big deal you can't do this It's not of you, it's not of me, it's not of Jared, it's not of any one of us. Christ did the work. The very one who made you, who spoke you into existence, who pulled you together in all these beautiful things is the one who has saved you. And why? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So... I love this. I remember preaching through this passage one time and I came and I came across this. Our pastor not that long ago. Did he do all of Ephesians or was he just in Ephesians at one point? Do you remember?
1: I, I get it confused because I can't remember if it was Ephesians or Colossians. He did a small group on. He led like a Wednesday night small oh, okay. group. and those two
0: they they marry together. They're, and well, I, I can't much I, much like you have Luke Acts, you could almost do Ephesians Colossians. Yes,
1: and I can't for the life of me remember which one it was that he so, did. So
0: I, I I just remember our pastor preaching preaching somewhere around on this and he leaned into this very same idea and I mean kudos. Yeah, hundred percent. Go, Pastor Kelly. I love you, brother. You're awesome, you're on it. Um, and that is this word workmanship. Literally in the Greek is the word poema. And if you're going, well, that sounds familiar, sure it does, right? It's the word poem, it's where we get the word poetry from or poem. What, when you are a, I'm always amazed at people who are wordsmiths. You know, I would love to be a lyricist. Lord God Almighty, if you, if you are willing to give, uh, breathe new life into, into Larry, in a different way, in a different purpose, help me be able to write some of the most beautiful music with lyrics and song uh, and melody. I would love that. You know, I don't think he's given that to me and and I'm okay with that. But there is something amazing about the creative process of starting with nothing and watching it grow into something amazing. And this is exactly what he leans into. We are his workmanship. We're his poem. We are this carefully worded, carefully crafted body that has come together. And, and look, it's, Paul says it without ever having to ask the question. It's not by chance, right? right? God prepared all of this beforehand that we should walk in them. I found, I found two fun quotes that I want to bring in here real quick. So I just, I found, you know, if Da Vinci said this, great. If he didn't, I don't know. It was attributed to Da Vinci, so I'm going to go with that. Painting is poetry that is seen rather than felt, and poetry is painting that is felt rather than seen. I'm like, Da Vinci, you, you are on the cusp of something here with that statement because when we look at the creative work that God does, it's more, he's got the painting aspect, so he's got the visual, but he's got the poetry aspect. He's got the feels. He's got, you know, to use the, the, the terminology today, right? He gives us all the feels. He gets us in a place where we, we're we not just looking at what he has done, but we are feeling it. We're feeling the weight of it. We're feeling the joy. We're feeling all the things that we need to feel, and and I think it's amazing because what that tells me is, if God is willing to work me over like a a poem that lasts, you know, the words continue to ring out. I don't care who you are; it may not even be in the broke that you speak, but when you hear something like Alfred Lord Tennyson, you know, um, "Into the Valley of Death rode the six hundred, half a league, half a league, half a league onward." Right? Okay. We don't use the word league anymore. We know it's a measure of distance. We can get into all that stuff. But when you hear those words read in the meter and in the timing that Tennyson wrote them in, you hear those horses thundering through a valley, and you know they're heading to their death. But they're going to fight a battle because their commander has said go, and they're going. You get the urgency and the point. You feel the movement. That's what God has done with us. He has built us in a way that his image is visible. His love is apparent. His grace and mercy should be flowing from us.
1: Yeah. Not only, so you read a good poem or a good song or you see a, a fantastic piece of art, and it speaks of something on its own, right? But it also drives a conversation or a thought about the creator mm-hmm. absolutely and so we're being told like, as his workmanship his art his poem, his well-crafted creation mm-hmm. we are it's it's I don't I don't want to say job that's what I'm slowing myself down but it's we, there's a purpose behind us right yeah the image image images of God were, we're made in the image of God mm-hmm. but I love the picture of artwork a poem a well-crafted story you know that that poetic nature of it because it tells a story on its own but it also points you back to the person that wrote it created it yes <clears throat>
0: <Yeah. clears throat> Man, I'm, I'm like you. I'm almost like I'm, I'm about ready to step off over into other parts of Ephesians that we're not into yet. But so uh, our discipleship pastor read a book one time. And kind of the premise of the book was, you know, God's created people differently. He needs people in the church to step up and and support and encourage. And one of the areas he was leaning into is in the area of art and and. And, and whether it's painting, whether it's, you know, building a, a set on a stage, whatever it is, you know, the arts tend to get the back seat mm-hmm. to the sports, to the athletics, to the to, you know, the powerhouse in the in the boardroom or, or whatever it the arts tend to, for some reason in our culture, especially they tend to be softened and to be softer and people who are in who are artistic are seen to be weaker or you know you know need more protecting you know i'll just be honest with you i think people who are artistic whether it has to do with you know painting whether it has to do with music whether it has to do with acting or whatever else they live in an emotional world yeah some people are created to be emotionless and fact-based and some people are created to balance you out and to have all the feels and there is a unity of allowing all of those things so what do we need in the church today let me tell you what we need in the church today we need all those driven hard people that are making the money to you know I, I'm I'm not for socialism, so I just want to put that out there. Um, but there is something to be said for benevolent people in the church to look and go, okay, you're a phenomenal painter. What's your Sistine Chapel? How how can I empower you to get to your, you know, architectural prowess or your painting or your whatever? Well. I don't need you working a menial job at McDonald's or shuffling papers or whatever. I need you to have the freedom to wake up and, and in your zone, create and do and make and make something so beautiful that when you look at it, it points someone to to God. Right. And, And I think there is a massive failure in the church to recognize just what this unified diversity looks like Mm. and how we really we we see we want to put it in terms of okay well this person's called to teach so they're going to teach sunday school and this person's going to is is good with children so they're going to work with the kids and this person's good at music so they're going to sing songs that's institutional throw that out the door that it leads all into the whole you know thing you're talking about with tozer with the idea of programs, everything's so programmed out. Get outside the four walls of a stinking building right. and realize the church reaches everything. Yeah. It has to reach everywhere.
1: I know this does not necessarily apply to just Ephesians, but I have to say it in this moment anyways. We've been given gifts, and I'm not trying to minimize that at all. Because I think we need to lean into the gifts that we have been given by God. Mm-hmm. But, therefore, hold on, put on my tuxedo, <laughs> therefore. <laughs> but, sometimes I think we just got to get over ourselves. Mm. Because sometimes there is a need. And you might not be given the gift of... Teaching the four-year-old. Right. But there's a need. Yeah. Do you love Jesus? Do you know his word? Because if you, if you have those two things, like if you're taking serious the studying of the scripture and you know it, not even all the way. Right. You have knowledge of it. You Do you know what the gospel is? Do you know that that kid needs it? Mm-hmm. And there's a need. Mm -hmm. So what if your gift isn't working with toddlers? Go down there or up there, wherever it is in your church, and help out. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think the the gifts that we think we have are a stumbling block that divide us instead of unify us. Exactly. Oh, I completely agree. I think we're called... That's that's the point of this. We're unified in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. and it is no longer our gifts that matter. Right. And, and it is go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, it's it's what Jesus has given us. Absolutely. And so, yes, some people are better at music than others. Great, but we're still called to get over ourselves.
0: Yeah, we're still called. Everybody's called to sing. I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. When your music leader gets up in the church and asks you to stand and sing, sing. Yeah. There's there's something amazing in the soul that takes place when you utilize the different forms of worship that God has instituted for us to use to to bring what is ascribed to Him. And, and this, and i mean t- this is this leads us right into to, to verse 11 into the second half if the whole first half which we have been talking about is you know death to life this coming out of our our depravity into the fullness of God then what we've been talking about is really what drives 11 through 22 and, and it is the oneness in Christ it is this unity because in verses 11 through 13 Paul's like you know what okay yes you were gentiles in the flesh Okay, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to put it in terms of this time of of, you know, gentiles coming into the fold. I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to use Jewish terms. Okay? If the physical sign for Jewish folks was especially for the males was circumcision. If that is the sign, then I Paul I'm going to lean in and I'm going to say, you know, hey, spiritually there is a circumcision that takes place in your heart. And that is now more of the sign than the yeah. physical cutting of the skin. Yeah. Now it is what goes on in your spiritual world. And guess what? This isn't just for the Jew.
1: Right. It's also for the Greek. Right. And today I think we could even read, yes, he has a specific purpose. He being Paul has a specific purpose in saying, Where I'm bringing together these two groups of people that would never ever be together otherwise, they're 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 totally different, culturally different, religiously different, all the differences that they have them. Yep. But today, we we don't see that kind of difference as much, right? It's even like culturally, you know, today with it just more similar, but he's talking about this physical thing that is a, a, a human religious thing, right? We, we today we can say it, it's not about whether you grew up going to Sunday school every Sunday, went to every Wednesday night youth group, went to all the youth conferences, went on every mission trip. Did you go to the youth camp? Did you, uh, serve, you know, on a, Sunday morning and you grew up help helping pass the the plate around mm-hmm. you know walking the it's not about that I did all these things yeah I grew up, I grew up in the church forever I've been every single week every time the doors were open it's it's not you know today that that that's what it could be like the, mm-hmm. he was saying the Jews have this idea of like well I'm I'm part of the family yeah I've got the hope of the Messiah coming we have Yahweh he took us out of egypt he led us through the desert he took us into the promised land mm-hmm. we have the law because of him mm-hmm. like but but that's the, that's like well I, I grew up in church it's not what it's about I, I go back to this
0: and i keep coming back to it and I, and i guess you know i'm doing it to remind myself But just like we train kids, we tell them the same thing over and over again, hoping it sinks in. Adults, I'm going to tell you the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over over again, hoping it sinks in. It is not your pastor's fault that your kid walked away from the Lord. It is not your youth pastor's fault. It's not your music pastor, your discipleship pastor, whatever pastor you want to put at the end of it. It's not the Sunday school teacher's fault. We have too many parents who come to pastors and they go, I just don't understand why my kid walked away. They walked away from a building. You raised them in church. You didn't raise them in Jesus. Right. And and enough is enough. Stop playing the blame game. Stand up in front of your children and look at them and say, I need you to forgive me because I did not put the emphasis in the right place. And I can promise you this. You're not going to like it. But the rest of my days, while I live and breathe, even though you're a grown adult, even though you have your own family, I'm going to lovingly encourage you to seek the one who has sought after you, who gave his life's blood for you. I'm not worried about four walls and a roof. Right. I'm worried about the one who made you by himself, for himself, and through himself. The relationship is yep. is the importance. Yep. And you can't have a relationship without unity. M- enmity, I really feel like M- enmity is is the the catalyst of, or maybe maybe that, I'm about to say it the wrong way. Sin, the aftermath of sin is M- enmity. Yeah, that's the better way to say it. So yeah. the aftermath of sin is M- enmity, and it's 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 the baby. You know, it's it's what's been raised up from sin, and that enmity is definitely seen from Jew to Gentile. This is what you were leaning into, right? These different cultures, these different religious backgrounds, all of these different things. And, and in verses 11 through 13, that's really what Paul's leaning into. He's leaning into this enmity, this, this difference, and he closes it out by saying, but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then he steps over into the next section, verses 14 through 18, and he goes, I propose this. Come off the enmity and look for peace. How do we unify together? How do we come together in the midst of this, putting this enmity to death and, and coming into a place where Jesus Christ rules and reigns in us? You know, How do we come to know who this messiah is. And this is what this is what he leans into, I believe in verses 14 through 18, right? Who's the one that gives us peace? Mm. Who's the one that breaks down the wall of separation?
1: Yeah. I this imagery really had me stop and think for a while. Over the last few days, we talked about the idea, excuse me, <laughs> VBS is taking the toll. Mm-hmm. We talked about the idea of um, a wall or a hedge of protection a lot in Genesis mm-hmm. um, as a good thing. And, and I, I think that it is in that context, right? Like yes. And that wall and that hedge is provided. It's God. It's mm-hmm. the peace that he provides. But this imagery that Paul is getting at, like this wall is taken down. There's... I. I kind of saw it as, I, you can take this two different ways. I'm a Gentile. I see the wall coming down as really, really good. Mm-hmm. Because it allows me access in. Mm-hmm. But if I was reading it from the other perspective, that wall is what was providing me a sense of protection. hmm And now it's getting ripped apart. Mm-hmm. So, that wall coming down could be seen as scary, uh, dangerous, mm-hmm. troublesome, if you're on the inside of it. Mm-hmm. and But we're being asked to realize that the wall that was separating, if you're on the inside of it, it wasn't providing you protection. It was keeping you away from the real protector. Mm-hmm. We got we to gotta rip down the wall that's been put up by something that we've distorted mm-hmm. and get behind the real wall, which is the peace that we get through Jesus.
0: This has a huge Jonah aspect to it, right? I'm not going to those people. I don't like them. I not only don't like them, I don't want you to save them. Right. I don't want to believe that grace could be for them right. and that mercy could be for them. They are so evil. They are so disgusting in the veggie tail world, they will slap you in the face with a fish. Yeah. you know right. they, they are so out there. I can't believe that you would save them. And this is where we have to lean in today and say, I can't believe that that side of the political aisle can be saved. I can't believe right. that that person with a wonky sexual preference can be saved. Right. I can't believe that my neighbor down the road, who is polarized from me because I believe this and they believe that, can be saved. Right. We have to be the catalyst of depolarizing this nation yes. and this world.
1: Yeah, because I just you can think political right now. Like I can, I'll hide behind my what name your wing wall. Yep. And you feel protected because I I know in my heart that only people that are on this side can really love Jesus. Because if you believe those things, you you can't believe in the same God that I can. But look behind the wall you're hiding on. Mm -hmm. It's filthy. Mm -hmm. You got to tear it down Mm -hmm. because you're behind the wrong wall. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are. I believe there are probably things in one party versus another that align align better with the faith that we hold. Sure, but it's not the protecting wall. Right. There is only one protecting wall. Yep. That's it. That's it.
0: That's it. Um. I, I can. I completely agree. I wasn't certain I was going to use this illustration, but I think I kind of want to because I think it kind of leads into it. Um. So I want to read this out of uh, John Phillips's commentary on Ephesians. So there's, so there's this little boy, his name's Willie. He's at Buckingham Palace and he's looking at, at you know looking through the gates and all he wanted to do was go see the king, right? But what what is he coming up against? Well, he's coming up against police officers. he's coming up against the guard, he's coming up against gates. He's coming up against walls. All he wants to do is see the king right? So all of a sudden, this very well-dressed, confident man approaches, looks at the police officer, and kind of gives him this nod of, let him in. And so the police officer, as soon as this guy looks at him, he's like, oh, yes, sir, absolutely, you know? And so the boy comes in, and he and this guy takes a little boy's hand. He goes, we're going to go see the king. So they go in the palace. They get in there. <laughs> it's crazy, right? 40 housemaids, Fifty footmen, including one man who did nothing but wind clocks all day. (laughs) Six hundred rooms. Willie and the man walked on and on, onto the north wing, up the stairs, along endless passages to the king's corridor on the main floor, into the master suite. (laughs) I love this. They were a quarter of a mile away from the kitchens. (laughs) The palace is huge. I mean, it really is, right? The man seemed to know the way and chatted about the rooms they passed the magnificent ballroom that contained two majestic thrones on raised chairs the stamp room that housed the world's most valuable stamp collection right the belgian suite with its 44 rooms used for state visitors hey come hang out at my house you got 44 rooms to play in right the royal wardrobe the music room the dining room with a table as large as a skating rink dazzling green drawing room right finally they arrived in the king's presence and the man spoke hello father Here's a little boy who wants to meet you. Meet my friend Willie. Willie, this is the king. The little boy had taken the hand of Edward, Prince of Wales, the king's son. Through him, Willie gained access to the king.
1: Mm -hmm. Right? What? What?
0: We need to stop being the policemen that think we know who is or isn't allowed to come into the presence of the king. Our job is to hand them off to Jesus. That's our job. Hand them off to Jesus. Stop being the gate. You're right. not called to be the gate. Jesus is the gate. Right. You know? Stop being a wall or a barrier. You're not called to be a wall or barrier. Jesus is the protector. Right. He's the one that makes us to lie down in green pastures. He's the one that stills the waters so we can drink in, in peace and, and pasture in the good places. Yep. And And... I think this is exactly what Paul is 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 screaming at the top of his lungs. Put to death, verse sixteen. Put to death the enmity, right? Put to death the separation, and allow the peace. Who
1: preached peace? Exactly. Jesus preached peace, right. right? And 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 through Him, yes, we have our access, one spirit to the Father. That's right. So then we come to kind of a famous image. Yes. Of a building. Mm-hmm. And that's how Paul closes out this chapter. Beautifully
0: well. Yep. If you're going to live at peace, if you're going to be unified in Jesus, what does this look like? Well, you need a lot of things to come together. You need a foundation, you need brick. You need mortar. You need wood for framing and structure. You need gypsum and other things for beauty, you know, for that layer of of air protection. You need insulation, something to put the paint on, something to be crafted into something beautiful. You need all of these things to come together. But do not, do not take your eye off of how it gets into place, right? So he says, okay, you're no longer outside. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer foreigners. You, you have been given full access to the household of God. Let me show you how this house is built. First, we have a foundation. Those are the apostles and the prophets. I, I will make my little, my little speech here, okay? If you are a Nara person, if you are someone who believes that the apostles and the prophets are for today, you are forgetting the fact that the apostles and the prophets were designed for the beginning of the church. They were designed for the building process, right? It's been built. So I'm going to leave that there. Who's the foundation? The apostles and the prophets. When you're building a home and the inspector comes out and takes a look at the foundation and sees the foundation— once he gives the approval, what happens? The building goes up. What happens to the, to the foundation? It gets covered over. It's still there. It's still working. It's still underneath the surface. But what's visible takes the day-to-day brunt of everything else, being held up by that foundation. And here's the foundation, right? The apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, right? This is the idea. What, what's the purpose of the cornerstone? right it is the first stone set on the foundation and it keeps this wall true and keeps this wall true and if everything is built true to the cornerstone every single wall you have is square every single wall is plumb right everything is set where it's supposed to be right you know kudos to all you construction guys who get all that <laughs> and who can make that happen and then, he, and then he moves on. He said, then the rest of it comes together, being fitted together into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Right.
1: No longer is it a tent in the desert. Right. Or a building that gets built up and destroyed and built up
0: and destroyed and built up and destroyed right no longer is it located in Jerusalem or in Samaria right you know you say to worship down there we say worship up here on the holy mountain right yep. no longer is it about where we say anything
1: yep that's the gospel Chapter two amazing. <laughs> it's awesome. It really is. So next time, gump, jumping into chapter three.
0: Going to really jump into the mystery. We're the mystery. Grab a hold of it tightly. Yep. And chapter three is actually going to help us close out this first section of it Ephesians. Kind of going to hit that halfway point.
1: Yep. And then we're going to jump into the, the, I'm calling them the practicalities Yes. Uh, the stuff that should flow out of a life that has been resurrected from death. Beautifully stated. Good job. You wordsmithy. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we close in prayer, mm. we have an email address. Yep. The podcast at gmail.com. You can email us. Comments, questions. Larry reads the hate mail. That's right. I, I'll read the the fun stuff. Um, we're on Facebook and on Instagram. Look us up, the Sharpening Podcast. Share this with your your friends and family. We are really appreciative of all those that are listening. It's really cool to uh, to watch the numbers and listens grow. At least for me, it's just fun to watch that and see that like our uh, little garage produced project is like actually making its way out there. Um but we really do take it serious that this is about being able to share the gospel. It's not about getting some kind of radio play or Spotify mentions. That's right. So, follow us on all those things cuz that's where we let you know that uh we're putting new stuff out and maybe we'll communicate, you know, some song that we really like or, you know, some other word of encouragement every once in a while. All right, let's let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. It has been refreshing for me to be able to just reread through this chapter and talk about it and just remind myself of the gospel message, what it was that I needed and what you did for me and for the world. Thank you so much for your son, Jesus, and for the fact of his death, burial, and resurrection, and that because of that, I have been raised from death to life. We love you, and it's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.